The Musician's Musician Podcast is brought to you by you. For real. We rely on listener donations to grow the show, so if you'd like to support what we do, you can set up a one-time or recurring donation. Just follow the link in the description. It's super easy because PayPal. A huge thanks to those of you who have already given. We also want to ask if you could be so kind as to rate and subscribe to the program on whatever platform you use to listen to us. It helps the show reach more ears, and we love your feedback. Okay, on to the show. Okay, well, Max, you're in a new place. Yeah, you better believe I am. (laughs) Man, I am moved out of that closet of an apartment, and (laughs) I am in my first home. Wow. Uh, It is a whole house for me and my dog. Many congratulations. You'll have to break a bottle of champagne on the door or something. You know, maybe. Treat it like a boat. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, just, I'm just not sure I want to clean up that mess. So, <laughs> I've, yeah. I, I don't think I've dropped or broken anything here yet, but uh, it's been good. Got the studio set up, you know, there's, like, the kitchen's, like, pretty fully operational, but man, this is such a better environment. I cannot begin to tell you how much better this room sounds than where I was before with, like, the wonky walls and all sorts of, oh gosh, like treatment and just trying to make it work. I've got like a cloud set up and like, it's truly amazing. It's great. Literal racks of amps on both sides of me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know you've been working towards this a long time, so good job. Way to, way to save enough money to buy a house or make (sighs) a down payment or whatever. There we go. Well, just a couple of things. Uh, As of the release of this episode, Dune Cloud, the project that we had mentioned uh, in the Holdsworth episode, a project that we were working on with uh, Moksha, uh, is releasing another song today called Titan's Armory. So go and find that on your favorite streaming platform. And also, yeah, we're going to start building up a social media presence for this podcast. Problem is, is Max and I have a number of other things that we try and uh, share and use our own personal accounts for in terms of the content that we're trying to spread. So we're going to compartmentalize and have an account set up just for this podcast. So if you, you know, look the podcast name up on your Instagram or Facebook, you will find it and be updated for new episodes and any additional fun content we might decide is worthwhile. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good place to just really focus in on this podcast. We've been really enjoying it, and we've been getting a lot of great feedback that other people are enjoying it, and we know they're not lying because they're listening to it. So (laughs) we appreciate you (laughs) because we thoroughly enjoy this and have wanted to be able to, you know, expand the reach and kind of grow this into something that's, you know, a little bigger than just a couple of guys just spitting out a couple of, you know, couple of half-hour podcasts a month. Well, so. and we apparently, from a recent um, scanning through our analytics, uh, we have reached most of the continents of the planet. So, Yeah, we really appreciate it. There's <laughs> a, Especially 
those of you who are listening consistently, because uh, we we can see that you know there's like there's like a city in France that uh, <laughs> we appreciate you. You've listened to every episode. Um, there's a couple of people like that, and I think I know who you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we appreciate the support, and if you if you've been enjoying this, please share it with share it with a friend. I mean, that's one of the reasons that we've made this podcast is so you can help share the music you love and the artists that you think are interesting with the people that you care about. Because this isn't necessarily the most accessible music, but we wanted to make a way for it to be more accessible. So, in that spirit, uh, today we are actually talking about a group that is a bit more well-known than probably anybody we've talked about so far, and that is a tribe called Quest. And if you... If you know your hip-hop, then you know Tribe. Uh, and even if you don't know your hip-hop super well, there's a pretty good chance that you're familiar with Tribe. Um, particularly in recent years, I mean, Q-Tip has done a lot of stuff uh, that's been very commercially successful. They really are one of the pioneers of this music and the different things they were doing with sampling and uh, the type of content and lyrical content that they had in their music. They really were just super important and massively influential on artists that are enormous, like Pharrell Williams, Kendrick Lamar, Common, Dr. Dre, D'Angelo, who we've mentioned before, uh, Erica Badu, Jay Dilla, Kanye, uh, even Kurt Rosenwinkel, who we've covered already. So like their their reach is really just absurdly expansive yeah there are a lot of people that we have talked about and want to talk about that you like the people you listen to you you may listen to people who listen to those people if that makes sense <laughs> but you definitely listen to people who listen to tribe like 100 percent. i'd put i'd put money on that yeah you may not be a guitar player that listens to someone who listens to alan holdsworth but <laughs> you absolutely <laughs> have here have experienced the reach of tribe so parker Tell me about Tribe. I know you've been listening to Tribe a long, a long time. I'm actually a relatively, I mean, like I've been listening to him for a few years, but like I know you've been listening to him much longer. Tell me about him. Yeah. So just in as uh, it's kind of a brief overview. I mean, they're a they're an East Coast group, uh, which again, if you know your hip hop, you know that the the coastal thing bears some relevance to the to the subject, but. Uh, they were a group that formed in Queens, and they were actually friends with a lot of uh, other people who went on to kind of have some careers of their own. They were tight with the, you know, like the Jungle Brothers. Queen Latifah was kind of in their crew, and they had this thing that they called the Native Tongues Collective, which was a group of these people trying to like make uh, Afrocentric music with kind of more relevant messages and kind of forming into this idea of what we call alternative hip hop. Uh, which is a departure from kind of the more hardcore gangster rap sort of hip-hop that was popular at the time. So Tribe is Q-Tip, Fife Dog, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, and Jarobi White. Uh, but Jarobi left the band pretty early on uh, to pursue a career in the culinary arts. Oh, he's actually been extremely successful in that too. I think it was really cool he uh, was able to get at least one restaurant up to Michelin status. That's incredible. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah. And those food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing that I actually didn't know uh, before we started looking into them was that Tribe 
originally it actually was called Crush Connection. And then they were called Quest. Uh, Jungle Brothers, who they were buddies with, actually coined the name A Tribe Called Quest. Such is the case with many projects early on. There are several iterations of names oftentimes. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of a an intro to the group, but there's certainly a lot more to dig into here. For sure. Well, so these guys... Like, they're not, like, formal musicians, quote-unquote formal, like, didn't go to college, didn't go to, like, a conservatory. Like, these guys are, like, on the street, right? Like, this is, I think, one of the really cool implementations of, uh, like, quote-unquote scenes. You know, we talk about, like, people being in a jazz scene or, like, um, like metal scenes, underground, like, punk rock and hardcore. Like, hip-hop definitely has a scene. And Queens was this huge breeding ground for all sorts of stuff. And like these, I think it's extremely noteworthy that these guys were in high school right. when they started this. And they're like, they're talking about things that are, and you know, as they continue to grow older, they're talking about like real life, like war, like things that they're experiencing. And as they're going through like their life and like dealing with things. And so it's, it's very relatable in a lot of ways. Whereas right. like, I just like can't relate to like a lot of the hardcore gangster rap. I mean, <laughs> really? <laughs> surprise, surprise. But uh but like some you know some of the things that they're talking about in like the tribe like brings up, I'm like, wow, that's that's really thought-provoking. And there's you know different personalities in the band and so like you have like this different like this dichotomy of like how they approach stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that they were doing that was interesting and these other groups that were in the area like they were all feeding off of each other for it so it was really cool like they were collaborating um which is you know very different than a lot of other genres and even hip-hop in general like which you know it's very like one person centric like you are your brand but tribe was very much like a culture and a group and like collaborate with other people and so that's why we have like so many Uh, They have so many colleagues, really, you know, they've collaborated with tons of people and like the list goes on forever. Yeah. And and just just to kind of build on the idea of the scene a little bit being so important, you know, we've talked about this more notably with jazz in how like the interactions that are happening and, and collaborations that are happening with people are so crucial to the development and the evolution of the music what's so great about tribe and we'll we'll dig a little bit more into this in a minute but you you hear immediately right off the bat in their first like major album release that the the breadth of influence that they're pulling from is incredible they're consuming like very sophisticated music and that ends up informing a lot of how they approach uh, production and what sort of samples they're using and which is great and is uh kind of demonstrates how this uh, philosophy of afrocentrism in their music really comes into play because they are interacting with a lot of jazz music and funk and soul and r&b which is you know traditionally like a black american music all of this kind of coming together they're really uh invested in their in their culture and in their community and that all kind of comes together in this like beautiful collaboration and marriage of ideas that is what Tribe Called Quest is. Well, and I, I think a huge proponent of the success and the really the the shape of what they've produced and the impact that they've had on hip hop culture and hip hop music 
uh, comes from their approach to sampling. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, Parker, could you, like, could you give us like a soundbite on what sampling is? Yeah. So basically, all you're doing is you're, you're taking like a a small piece of an already existing recording, right? So it can be like a chord progression that you dig. It can be just like a little vocal line that you like. It can be like a lick from an instrument, whatever, like just a very short snippet of a recording. And then they'll take that audio recording and patch it into their own mix and they loop it however they want to. They cut it up however they want to. Sometimes they'll like change the pitch of it or they'll slow it down or they'll speed it up to match the vibe they're going for and that's kind of in a in a nutshell what's going on with sampling there are like really uh, interesting techniques especially at the time they were doing it like it was kind of a kind of a painstaking process to actually sample things thing with sampling too to keep in mind is that uh legally it's kind of a a tricky thing to pull off because <laughs> you're you're talking about getting permissions uh, from the master recording, which oftentimes like a label will own, but then you're also dealing with the composition and, and copyright, which is coming from like the composer typically. And so it's kind of tricky to pull off sampling if you're wanting to like commercially release your music, unless you have some sort of infrastructure to aid your efforts in that way. I don't know. What Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. So thanks, Parker. I think that's really important to get that background because when we're talking about how they're sampling and the things that they're sampling, the mentality that goes behind it is extremely important. So we talk about like knowing the tradition, these guys, when when you're sampling, you have to know the records. Like you are constantly listening to music. And back then, like you couldn't just like turn on Spotify or Apple music and just like go through tracks. Like you had to literally like sit down and like have boxes of records right and that's exactly what they did they just sat down and just like listened to stuff and were like cool that's that's cool and they would like take that down re-record it like sample whatever they wanted from that track and it, like you mentioned before the, a lot of the music that they're listening to is really pretty sophisticated so like these guys are like listening to and digesting it's very heady music but like also really well written music right so I think it's really cool that they were taking the time to like know because they were listening to stuff that's popular too. It's not just like there are a bunch of jazz nerds sitting down there and just like going through all these old records just academically. Right. They're like, yeah, that's like really dope. That's really cool. We're going to like put these things together. So they definitely had a huge handle on the tradition in a multitude of genres. So we have to talk about their use of jazz in their music. So pulling samples from jazz isn't necessarily uh, like a brand new thing per se with Tribe. Uh, however, uh, the way that uh, jazz is interacting with their music is really important here. There's just anecdote after anecdote of particularly like Fife Dog and Q-Tip getting together and just like listening to music for hours and hours and hours on end them getting to a part like for example I, I love that there's like sampling credits from like grant green and cannonball adderley and just super important musicians in their own right L- like you mentioned they have to like go through and 
be actively listening to this stuff. Like they're not just stumbling into like a, an old Cannonball Adderley record, right? So it's really awesome that these guys are digging into this music. And like over the years, what, what's great is that some of their earlier records too, so like Low End Theory, for example, uh, is a actually a really influential record for a lot of jazz musicians. Like it, it's one of those records that did like a full loop, I guess, because they're they're pulling from a lot of jazz influence. Like, for example, some of the samples on Low End Theory are coming from uh, like Jack DeJanet, uh, Gary Bartz, Weather Report, uh, Lonnie Smith, the famous organist, the Jazz Messengers, uh, Grant Green, who I already mentioned. And, you know, especially with like people like Kurt Rosenwinkel, who are like bridging uh you know kind of blurring the lines between some other genres and stuff i mean q-tip as we've mentioned this before in the kurt episode uh, but q-tip produced like a couple of one or two of kurt's records and you can hear that like the the influence is super far-reaching in terms of how exactly they are creating a vibe um using these specific uh, stylistic samples with their approach of sampling one thing that I think is cool, because like you listen to a lot of hip hop and there's like not necessarily a lot of like performed instruments. And I say that in like not that instruments weren't performed on the sample, but like use a sample and you like bring in a session musician or someone to like play a track. Right. One of the things that's cool with Tribe is as you go through their discography, you hear more and more um more and more performances as opposed to just samples. Right. Um, I mean, you're always going to hear, like, you're always going to hear some performances, but, like, they get more into, like, getting that groove and marrying this groove that they're, like, doctoring up and, like, patching together with the, with the samples, but also bringing in this vibe with the, like, actual players, which I think is a really cool thing. So, like, you do have this, I would say it's a maturation of, of the you know of their fusion of sampled and and recorded music which is pretty cool well and for that matter i mean uh ron carter one of the most famous jazz bassists of all time and like a very frequently sampled bass player for that matter he actually plays on low end theory which the the story's kind of funny because they reached out to him to see if he would play on the record and he basically was like i'm only gonna do it if if the music's clean <laughs> you know as we as we already mentioned like they're going for like a very deliberate like message and a vibe that's advancing good values overall at least in terms of progressing like the african-american culture in america and anyway so ron carter ended up playing on the on the record i want to note that like we have like a development and like something like that's very integral to their style is the style of the singers or rappers, the vocalists, right. we'll say, themselves. <laughs> so <laughs> when uh, you can you can tell I, I, I work in specific kinds of music, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you listen, there's also this interplay generally between Q-Tip and Fife Dog, which you'll hear gets better and better. Like it's always good, but like as you, as we get further and further through the discography, you get this you have these two personalities that are coming out and they're also interplaying off of each other just as we have this interplay between like real instruments and samples we have this interplay between like it's very philosophical like q-tip has this very philosophical like thought-provoking kind of 
kind of approach. And Fife Dog is very kind of like street smart. You know, it talks about things that way, which I think is really cool because like you you get this dichotomy of like how you approach a, a subject and, you know, sometimes they even like swap lines and uh, they, they have a lot of fun with it which i think is really cool but it's it's not it's not like a lot of other hip-hop and really did contribute to advancing the genre so this kind of lays the foundation for the importance of this of these rhythmic underpinnings that are really holding things together so there's that interplay between uh, five dog and q-tip which is the rhythm has to be on like if you hear a, a a rapper who doesn't have good time it feels terrible like it's very notable but as far as like other uh rhythmic uh features that are really important uh we have to mention the backbeat parker what's the backbeat so this is a very familiar like beat like it's it's not really anything revolutionary right but the the way that this feel is being integrated into their music again it's it's a very important uh factor uh to call attention to like you really feel this music i i mean with 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 all music really particularly with popular music the way that it feels is always so important uh and if tribe you know didn't really get that good then nobody did yeah and so one thing I want to point out with the feel right there is one thing that is I, I don't I wouldn't say unique to to tribes music, but really important is the layering of not just samples, um, but like drum samples. One thing that they're doing is they're enhancing their music, and so this is something that whether you know this or not, literally every record that you listen to, with few exceptions has what's called like uh like drum reinforcement so it, it for like in this one instance we'll just talk about the drums but you have like you'll rec- record the drums or some people will like will use samples but then after that there's also more layers of drums put in and that's how you get that huge rock sound that's how you get that huge like that's why metal drums sound the way they do like that they don't actually sound like that like they're <laughs> Even live, that's how that works. So in hip-hop, they're layering, you know, like a whole handful of drum samples to get those tones. And so that has become really the status quo in music production. So when you're listening to this, you you can like, if you're really, I mean, you can kind of like hear the layers a little bit, like, that's where they were using these samples. And like a lot of really cool uh, producers will use different drum samples at different parts of the track. And this is, you know, ag- genre agnostic. But like in the chorus, you'll use different drum samples than in the verse because it hits harder and it really makes you feel it. So as you go through and you listen to Tribe, like know that they're extremely deliberate with all of the sounds that they're using, which I think is one of those one of those things that's really cross-pollinated into every genre and just like best practice in music production in general. And just to uh, very quickly touch on the harmonic side of things, Tribe is pulling, again, uh, from Black American music traditions, which a lot of which is coming out of 
the jazz tradition and R&B and soul traditions. And the, and the thing that's great about that is it, it makes for a very rich harmonic uh, foundation behind what they're doing. You know, if you listen to, uh, you know, To Pimp a Butterfly from Kendrick Lamar, for example, like an absolute masterpiece Amazing. of a of an album, they used a lot of live musicians on that album. Uh, and there's a, a very strong harmonic background similar to something like tribe would do right so certainly uh terrace martin who produced to pimp a a butterfly he's a killer jazz musician himself i mean he plays with herbie hancock regularly in his live band uh but he also uh produces music for a lot of people and so certainly like terrace is pulling influence from his own training as a jazz musician but in terms of implementing this uh jazz into the production more uh more strongly It'd be hard to discount the influence that Tribe certainly had on on that sort of production philosophy. So a lot of really important music sprouted from this approach of integrating this like really, really good feel, but also just very good and interesting music being woven into uh, this hip-hop tradition. Man, so like talk about, we talk about fusion, but like... This is fusion. Totally. I think there's so many words in the music industry that like have have this connotation associated with them that is just like completely useless at this point. You have I think the most interesting bands in many cases, not in all, but are those that are fusing one thing with another. Mm-hmm. And so like Tribe Called Quest, you have like this old jazz tradition and funk and Motown and stuff being fused with like the modern hip hop at the time. You have like, man, take like Rage Against the Machine. Right. Like super interesting stuff. There's all sorts of these bands that are really doing revolutionary things. And that's, um, I mean, you even talk to like, uh, like Pharrell Williams. Right. And you look at his, like his work with the Neptunes and his own productions and uh, his own producing and his own music. Those, like the stuff that's really making a difference and successful in a lot of cases is fusing it. Yeah. The only thing I want to add to that is just that um, a lot of people very glibly make a statement like that tribe called quest is like, is jazz. It's not jazz, uh, but they are pulling a lot of influence from the jazz tradition into their sampling. So I know that that might sound like kind of a nitpicky point to make because uh, like a lot of articles that you read of, uh, you know, different critics uh, talking about Tribe will m- maybe not intentionally all the time, but just kind of uh, haphazardly make statements like that. And it's important to recognize that like listening to Tribe doesn't mean you're listening to jazz music per se. But it could help you find something that you also that you enjoy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Use it as a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah. If that I mean <laughs> Not that jazz is where you should end up, but Well, and just to kind know, of lead us into our next uh segment of talking how to like kind of start getting into them. I mean, you know, I I got into tribe from being into jazz music. Like jazz actually was my introduction to 
the Tribe Called Quest, you know, because of people like like Robert Glasper, for example, who very much is a modern master of fusing together his training from the jazz tradition into the hip hop traditions that he's uh, also very well acquainted with. You, you know, it, it's kind of interesting how like uh, this music goes in terms of influence in all of these different directions where like jazz people are pulling influence from tribe who was pulling influence from jazz musicians. But there's also like people who are trained into the jazz tradition are pulling directly from the sources that tribe was pulling from. But the way that tribe was using those influences has been hugely influential on a lot of modern uh, jazz music. So there's, there's really this like great way of, if you're wanting to dig into tribe, I mean, it, they're really not hard to get into, frankly, just because the music feels so good and it's very accessible in that way. Um, but there is a, a very high level of, of sophistication and like very deliberate, like painstaking thought that get, goes into all of their music. Well, Tribe to me is very much a mosaic that like, <clears throat> you know, those pictures that are made up of other pictures. <laughs> That like you know like it's very comical like you can see like a picture of this landscape that's like all made up of warped sh- like shapes and like warped versions of Snoop Dogg's face <laughs> or you know like something like that right like <laughs> you have this you zoom out you see tribe and you zoom in and you can see whatever you want and I think that's a really important thing for a lot of reasons but like I mean like morally I think this is an important thing <laughs> <laughs> um, and I will and I will die on that hill. But I think if you want to go in and see that sophisticated jazz thing, you're going to see that. If you want to see like this is really dope production, you're going to see that. If you want to see something that's like down home and like super down to earth, you're going to see that. If you want to see something that's like super just groovy and like low key and like nice, then you'll see you'll see that. So like just as in kind of like a reverse way, like, you know, if you want to listen to Pino Palladino, you find what you're into and then listen to that because he's probably played on it. Right. You listen to a tribe called quest and you find what you like because it's in there. Yeah. Well, so in that spirit, unlike a lot of the people we've covered so far, tribe does not have an enormous discography. No, (laughs) this was a very light listening episode for us. (laughs) So if you had to just pick two albums to recommend, to somebody who has never listened to Tribe, which two would you recommend? Well, it, I'm glad that you asked me for two because as I was listening to all of these albums, I was really struggling to pick a third because like, I was like halvesies on a couple of them. Mm-hmm. But I would pick The Low End Theory. To me, that's a super cool album. <clears throat> um, it wasn't necessarily my, uh, my entrance into Tribe, but I do love that album. And... My second one is also not my entrance because I, you know, you get nostalgic about stuff and you listen to it on repeat. But the love movement is actually my second pick. Okay. Not because I think it's a better album than any of the others, but I think the textures on that, like when I was listening, as I've listened to that, the textures on that were just like really, really cool to me. So like as as a producer and like the things that like resonate to me, those two personally got me but like i think you could i think you could start with any of them honestly yeah absolutely so but i know you are a long time tribe listener i i came in on uh we got it from here thank you for your service but uh what what are yours yeah so 
I mean, like I said, my my introduction to Tribe was kind of through hanging out with uh, jazzers. Uh, and a lot of jazz musicians really praise low end theory, so that was that was my introduction to the to the group. And I list I have listened to that album a lot, um, but I also love the album that followed Midnight Marauders. I've I've listened to that one a lot too. I like like seriously, truly, and genuinely, all of their releases are fantastic. They're all well worth your time. Uh, but those two just. You know, whether it be for sentimental reasons or otherwise, those are kind of the two albums I go back to most frequently. Man, good choices, Parker. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so let's uh, let's move on to our uh, defense of the artist, which I don't think Tribe requires much defending as as much as some of our other <laughs> artists might have. But nevertheless, here we go. Samples are nothing new, nor were they particularly novel when a group of friends from Queens started making beats. An often trivialized art form, production and DJing in the world of hip-hop is something that requires a deliberate touch, close attention to detail, and a creative vision. So, doing this thing convincingly is tricky, but shaking the industry in doing so is pure inspiration. Black American music has been arguably more influential on Western modern music than just about anything else. The emerging blues in the early 20th century, the development of jazz, rock, funk, R&B, soul, these all share roots from a common ancestor. Hip-hop was one of the many evolved forms of this rich tradition of deep rhythm, listening, and feel. It was only natural to use these sounds to pull samples from. A tribe called Quest started releasing this music with an emphasis on the rich harmonic underpinnings of the jazz tradition. A backdrop was set for this Afrocentric young crew. Beautifully crafted lines with a potent and apropos message flow atop grooves that you simply can't help but nod your head to. The feel is deep, the vibe is rich, the sound is pure. What made them special was that the rich musical events and musicianship were so high that layman and specialist alike could enjoy the music. It's music for everyone, deeply engaging layers to unpack, but comfortable yet irresistible to have on. Every once in a while, a genre-defining artist or group lands on the scene. We can likely all think of some examples, but what does it mean for something to be genre-defining? That sounds a bit glib. There may be many hallmarks of ensembles that have achieved this feat, and we can measure the impact. Tribe invested in their craft, in their community, in their cause, and left a crater-sized mark in the world of hip-hop, popular music, and beyond. So thanks for listening. We love Tribe. You love Tribe. We all love Tribe, whether we know it or not. (laughs) So we hope that the community aspect of their music, the the sampling and the, the thoughtfulness and the content, all of these things are something that you can at least appreciate, if not fuse into your own into your own listening experience and if you're into making music or you know even if you're you know just a a very very casual listener i think the concepts here affect us all very much so the tribe has been extremely important to us and we hope that you have a, a deeper appreciation of them and again go and follow us on instagram if you want to keep up to date with uh, new episodes coming out and uh, you know, other content that we might want to share with you. <laughs> uh, and also, please email us 
at the musicians musician podcast at gmail.com if you have any uh, comments or questions or anything of the sort we would love to hear from you no matter who you are or where you dwell and we appreciate those who have reached out yes <laughs> it's a it is it is always fun so <laughs> always a until <laughs> next time we hope you take care and happy listening <laughs>